Oh, it's, it's exciting to be part of what God is doing here on Wednesday nights. It's not a secret, right? We need to let everybody know. God is in the place. Praise God. You know, I was coming before the Lord a couple of weeks ago, and I was just trying to be something that I thought I should be, but I wasn't really feeling it. I was kind of coming to the Lord hoping that he would accept that approach. And I heard, I heard the Lord say, Karen, hey, it's me. You don't have to put on for me. I know who you are. And I love you just the way you are. Just come. What's on your mind? And it was like the walls came down. And I breathed a sigh of relief. I was like, I really need to come to you and be honest. And to know that he doesn't reject because he already knows. Amen. So we can come here tonight and receive from the word of God just where we are. Just the way we are. And God says, hey, it's me. You can trust me. That level of intimacy is where we want to start with him tonight. One of the wisest people who ever lived said this. Proverbs 4.23 said, guard your heart above all else. From, from it flow the issues of life. From it flows the issues of life, and we are to guard our heart above all else. This is pretty important stuff. Would you agree? It's a heart issue. Every issue, I think, can be traced back to a heart issue. And we'll unpack that. Because when God speaks to our hearts, it's not, we're not talking about that blood-pumping organ inside our chest. That's not the heart that we're talking about here. But it is like the heart that is the master control of our body. And it controls our thoughts, our will, and our emotions. Now don't you know that your spirit, your born-again spirit, is wall-to-wall Holy Ghost. You have the same spirit of Jesus Christ living in you. And that's what's made us a new creation. That's how we pass from death into life. But you still have your mind and your will and your emotions. And as we know, they didn't get saved and neither did your body. So sometimes the majority that's working in our body is your spirit saying, we're serving God, we love God. There is no desire to sin in your spirit. There isn't. Jesus didn't have that desire, did he? You had the same spirit of Christ living in you. But your body hmm, remembers all that stuff it used to like to do. And your mind will talk you into some things. And sometimes it's two against one, isn't it? But that's why Romans tells us, Romans 12 says, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Get the mind in line with the word of God. And now we've got spirit and mind, will, and emotions lined up and body has to follow. So we're working through the word of God to wash it, renew our minds and to begin to think differently and think according to the word of God. So one day, some years ago now, God dropped something in my heart. And I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but it seems like he'll drop something in my heart and I say, huh? Uh, can you explain that please? And he said, you, I felt the finger of God, you have a divided heart. I went, huh? I don't get it. What does that mean? And so I asked the Holy Spirit to teach me because 
God was trying to get something to me. And you know what? I didn't take it as condemnation because God doesn't teach us that way. It's the goodness and the love of God that draws us. And he was drawing me into a better place because without realizing it, I had gotten into a place that was really causing me a lot of stress and a lot of pain. You know, God does not expect us to walk through life carrying pain. He purchased everything that we need to live our lives in peace, in health, wholeness, and that includes our mind and our will and our emotions. And so here I was on a journey. It was kind of my summer project. God, show me what you mean by a divided heart. And I began to um, look things up in the world, word, not the world. You're not going to get answers there. <laughs> and guess what? The Bible talks about a divided heart. I was really surprised. I shouldn't have been. But so I asked God to, to tell me what was going on in my life. And I can tell you a little bit of that. There was something going on in the situation, and I was not even a part of it. And it was between two parties. And I loved both of these people, but there was a problem. And the way they were going about it, there were people really getting hurt. And I didn't like what I saw. But I got mad. I thought I was justified because, doggone it, they're wrong. And they might have been. And these people are getting hurt. And you don't realize what you're doing. And you should never have done that. And these people are like getting the brunt of their bad choices and the things that were happening. And this went on and on and on until I began to see some things happening in my own life. It became kind of all-consuming. It became something that I thought about all the time. And then I began to simmer and, and stew. And I'd wake up in the middle of the night and I was thinking about it. And I was upset. But boy, did I think I was justified. Because I'm going to stand up for the little guy. I'm going to stand up. It's not fair. It's not right. And I wanted these people to stop. But it didn't stop there. I actually wanted them to hurt just as much as they were hurting these people whom I loved. Wow. God said, you have a divided heart. And I began to see some things in my own life that God was trying to get me out of. And so I saw this picture, though, if we could put that up, that this is kind of what a divided heart might look like to God. And you know, that's really a beautiful picture. It's quite a beautiful scene. But do you see all the fences in that beautiful lush green meadow there? And it's sectioned off to the point where it's not one open field. There are many small places, smaller fields fenced off. And this is what God said. So this is what your heart looks like because you picked up an offense and the offense wasn't even mine. It was like a secondary offense. And he said, offenses build fences in your heart. I said, oh God, I don't want fences in my heart. But I was pretty sure that I was right. But I had to surrender my right to be right. 
because what I was doing was becoming part of the problem. And I, I was not in a position to be of any help in this situation. And God needed to help me to remove those fences. So I began looking at this idea of a heart divided, a divided heart. And there's a scripture in Hosea 10:2, And it reads, their heart is divided. Now they shall be fine faulty. He shall break down their altars. He shall spoil their images. And see, Israel had gotten into idol worship. Idol worship is a division in our heart. But how many idols do we have? Because an idol is anything that we put in front of God. And when I withhold something from God, because you know what I was really saying is, God, I can't trust you with this problem because I know I'm right and I'm going to handle it my way. And I just made that thing an idol. Because I wasn't inviting God into this situation in my own heart. Much less helping to uh, bring the presence of God into this very difficult situation. And so that is the division that was created in my own heart. I'll deal with it my way. In fact, I put a no trespassing sign on it. I said, God, I got this. I'm going to do it my way. But it was eating me up and I began to see bad fruit in my life. And the problem is, it began to affect my whole heart. I became very unhappy. And I think I'm a pretty happy person. My husband's sitting right there. Am I a pretty happy person? Okay, thank you. <laughs> I, didn't, um, I didn't prep him for that. But I began to see that a little bit of leaven does leaven the whole loaf, and this time the leaven was not a good thing. But I want to read to you from uh, Matthew 5.8. I love it when God just begins to build the concept. You know, when he tells you something, I also believe he's very faithful to explain it to you. I think he wants to bring understanding. And he wants to bring us revelation. And so as I was beginning our, our study, and, and just so you know, your best um, tool to study the Bible is called Google. Do you know that? Google has done an amazing job. Uh, cross-referencing about anything that you want to find in the Bible. I can find it easier in Google than any other tool, so I'm just saying. So I began to Google around, and I found out that in Matthew 5, 8, um, this is a very familiar verse to us, because Jesus here is teaching, sometimes we call it the Sermon on the Mount, or the Beatitudes. Beatitudes, those character uh, qualities that come from living in the presence of God, allowing the presence of God to come forth in every situation. And he said this in Matthew 5, 8. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. And guess what the word pure means? Oh my goodness, I got so excited when I see this. The word pure literally means, in the original language, undivided. Undivided. Blessed are the undivided in heart, for they shall see God. Oh, man. God, give us a heart check today. Because we want to see. We really want to see you. But, you know, this was a teaching that Jesus was giving to his disciples. And you would think that their heart would not have been undivided. There is an instance of a story given where after Jesus fed the 
5,000, and the disciples were there. They were right next to him. They brought Jesus a happy meal and said, what is this? How is this going to help us feed 5,000, 10,000, 15? We don't really know how many thousands and thousands and thousands were there. But there were many, many, many people. And Jesus knew exactly what he was going to do. And we've talked about this one before because Jesus, he broke the bread. He gave thanks, almost like communion, isn't it? And he began to distribute the food. And the disciples, who had not a clue what was going to happen, just started distributing the food. And they came back and there was some more. And then Jesus kept breaking the bread and giving the fish and breaking the bread. And before, before they were done, everyone had been fed. And the Bible says, not just a little snack, but they were fed until they were satisfied. And then, I love this part, Jesus sent his disciples out to gather the leftovers. And how many baskets were there? Twelve leftover baskets. One for each disciple to see Jesus. Do you see this supernatural thing that Jesus did? Each one of them had to look at this basket and say, how did this happen? All from a little boy's lunch. And it should have been something that they just completely overwhelmed their senses and they be, to cross over from understanding things from our limited understanding to believing in the supernatural, absolute power of Jesus because they were beginning to see him through different eyes. But what happened was, is later on, they were sorely afraid. And this is where Jesus walked to them on the water. And he said, this thing is happened because your heart was hardened. Your heart was divided. And what that meant was they had not yet crossed over into totally believing and seeing Jesus as their source of safety, as their source of provision, even though they had been firsthand witnesses to this miracle of feeding the 5,000. There's another picture in the Old Testament of a man who received a new heart. Because we're talking about the divided heart. But he allowed it to become divided between his will and God's. And this was Paul, excuse me, Saul in the Old Testament. All right. And Saul was the first king of Israel. And the Bible says in 1 Samuel 10, 9, and so it was that God had given Saul a new heart to become king of Israel. And God gave him a heart that he would need to lead Israel as their new king. But just five chapters later, we find that Saul has sinned against God because he had a divided heart. He did not obey God. And then God went and found a king who was a man after his own heart. And that was David. Simply put, Saul's heart had become divided between his will and God's will. Mark 12.30 says, And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. When we live under a divided heart, we're withholding something from God. And you know what? A lot of times behind that wall, behind that wall that we've built, that fence that we've built, there's a lot of pain. There's a lot of pain. But for some reason, we've told God, I can't trust you with this one. Or I don't know what to do with this one. And we don't turn to God. But God says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your 
strength, right. So God wants all of us. God wants our whole heart holding nothing back, no holds barred. All of it, no fences, and no walls. I told you it's a heart issue. I love the very familiar parable about the sower who sows the seed. And I'll just read from Matthew 13. And Jesus spoke in parables. And they were just stories using illustration. You know, if we were to study Jesus' communication skills, I think we'd all be brilliant. Because <laughs> he, he was a wonderful communicator. And he said, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seeds fell by the roadside, and the birds came and ate them up. Other seeds fell on rocky ground, where they had not much soil, and at once they sprang up, because they had no depths of soil. But when the sun rose, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they dried up and withered away. Other seeds fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked them out. Other seeds fell on good soil and yielded grain, some a hundred times as much as was sown, some sixty times as much, and some thirty. And he said, he who has ears to hear, let him listen. And you know, at first glance, it looks like this story is all about deceit. Here, seed, there, seed, everywhere, seed, seed, this or so, the seed, right? But after I studied this out one day, it occurred to me that maybe the parable was really teaching us about the soil. Because there was one thing that was constant through the entire story, and that was the seed. The seed never changed. The seed was the one thing that was never changing, always constant, pre-programmed for success, and it didn't change. It was the same seed sown in every type of soil. Say that fast three times. So the seed never changed, but the condition of the soil did. And so we have the hardened ground. We have the shallow ground. We have all these different conditions where the, the uh Thorns were able to grow up and choke out the seed. And then we have the fertile ground, the soft ground. When the seed goes in, it springs up into a harvest. But something used to really bug me about that because even though the, the good soil was, was the obvious answer, we want our hearts like the good soil, it said that Jesus said that some of those seeds um, yielded a 30 fold return, some 60 and some 100. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, if the seed's the same and this is the best soil, how come you're not getting 100% return every time? That really bugged me. Until I think God showed me something when I was talking, when I was studying about the divided heart. What happens if you don't allow, uh, you section off your heart and you don't allow the seed of the word to go there because that part's gotten hardened? You're not going to get 100% return on that field, are you? How much of our heart are we allowing the word of God to go down deep and to put down roots and to bear a harvest with a 100% return on the word of God? It's not the fault of the seed, is it? It has more to do with the condition of our own hearts. So what keeps our soil of our heart soft, pliable, ready for the planting, allowing a harvest to come. Because the, seed, the word of God never returns void. Never. Can't. But the condition of the soil might prevent it from doing something 100% that God designed it to do. It affects the harvest, the condition of our heart. 
So Jesus came to give us life and life more abundantly. That means life as he enjoys it. Does he have your whole heart? Guard your heart. Above all else. Wow. Stop right there. Guard your heart. Who's supposed to guard? We are. Above all else. That tells me that Satan's after your heart. And he wants those divisions. He wants you to live in an undivided, or with a divided heart. And God's calling us out to break down the walls so we can live with an undivided heart. Hosea 10, 12 says, Plant the good seeds of righteousness, and you will reap a crop of my love. <laughs> Plow the hard ground of your hearts, for now is the time to seek the Lord that he may come and shower salvation upon you. Let that one soak in. When you understand, like Pastor Ryan was saying, your righteousness identity that has been gifted to us, and you get a glimpse of his love that plows up the hardness of our hearts. Matthew 13, 15 says, For the heart of this people has become dull, Jesus is speaking. With their ears they scarcely hear, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise they would see with their eyes, hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and return. And I would heal them. There's no condemnation there, is there? But what hard-heartedness does is it makes us dull to the things of God. It's, it makes us blind to the things of God. But see, back to my story. Truthfully, I had picked up an offense. In fact, I picked up somebody else's offense. But picking up offenses is a choice. And I had made that choice. And it kind of reminded me of... It's like we can pick up offenses, like picking up offenses, put them in my pocket. We get a chance to, to do that by choice, don't we? Wearing my emotions on my shirt sleeves. Every time I turn around, I get my feelings hurt because I'm a walking time bomb. That's really what I was. I could go off at any minute because I was offended. And when you're offended, you're really hurt. And when you pick up an offense, you are empowering someone to control your emotions. And it becomes a vicious cycle. And so you harbor anger over things that have been done and things that have been said and things that you've seen. And anger takes root and Satan feeds those words to you over and over and over again. He just wants to keep replaying it. It's like he's fanning the flames of that fire boy. He's keeping that thing alive in you. He replays them in your mind and that anger grows deeper and deeper and it begins to take root and bear bad fruit. And that's where I was when God pointed to me and said, you have a divided heart. Proverbs 19.11 says, oh boy, when I found this one, I had to ask God to make me willing to do this. Proverbs 19.11 says, good sense and discretion make a man slow to anger. And it is his honor and glory to overlook a transgression or an offense. And I could hardly get the words out. I'd say, overlook an offense. They don't deserve it. But that's not the point. That's not the point. Aren't you glad that God will overlook our offenses? 
aren't you glad that we don't get what we deserve from God? And I'll tell you what forgiveness isn't. It isn't waiting for someone to deserve it before you offer it. Because Jesus never waited for us to be ready or to be good enough, to even be sorry. He just simply forgave. Oh, the goodness and the love of God. I said, okay, God. I'm seeing it. I'm seeing it. I can't do this without you. Because the rest of that verse says, to overlook an offense without seeking revenge and harboring resentment. Okay, God, you have a lot of work to do. But I'm going to tear down that fence, and I'm going to invite you into that part of my heart. Because I began to make a different choice. And what helps me is 1 Corinthians 13 that says true love, God's kind of love, which resides and lives in us, believes the best about other people. And what God showed me was, you know what, both sides thought they were doing the right thing. And I remembered before Jesus died, as he was hanging on the cross, and the people who had hated him, spit on him, ripped out his beard, beat him until he was almost dead, treated him so unfairly, were there. And Jesus looked down, and he had to take care of one very important piece of spiritual business before he died. And he said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. And I could say at that moment, it was like the light bulb went on, off. <laughs> I said, Father, Forgive them. I don't think they realize what they're doing. Because I had to believe the best. God was challenging me. I was inviting him into that part of that field in my heart that I had fenced off. And so when we learn to walk free from offenses, learn how to be quick to forgive. And forgiveness is simply a choice. We allow those offenses to go. We don't wait for these people to change their attitude or anything else. And it's taking them off of your hook and putting them onto God's. And what God wants to do is redeem them. See, I just wanted revenge. God will redeem them. And I began to see these people in a very different light. That's living the surrendered life. No walls. No holds barred. Holding nothing back from God. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is asking us to allow him to tear down those walls. I feel like President Reagan, but he said, Mr. Gorbachev, tear down that wall. And if you can say with me, Holy Spirit, tear down the walls in my heart. I don't want to live with a divided heart. I want to live all out, 100% trusting you. Thank you, God. We know that hurt people hurt people. Free people, free people, and forgiven people, forgive people. And we are forgiven people. And if there's any areas of hurt or offense or unforgiveness, we're going to allow you to come and first of all heal us from those hurts and then bring your peace. Plow up the hardness of our hearts. And we just give that to you today.
Ephesians 1, 6 says, In him we have redemption, deliverance, and salvation through his blood, the remission and forgiveness of our offenses, our shortcomings and trespasses, in accordance with the riches and the generosity of his gracious favor, which he lavished upon us in every kind of wisdom and understanding. God, we want to live the surrendered life.